CFL fans, are you ready? Because it's time for the Canadian Football Countdown on Mike FM Winnipeg. The Canadian Football Countdown starts now. Hello and welcome to the Canadian Football Countdown. We thank you for taking time out of your busy day, unless you're the Toronto Argonauts who don't have time in their busy day today of CFL Free Agency Day to tune into our CFL Free Agency Breakdown Special here on the Canadian Football Countdown, a proud member of the Canadian Football Podcast Network. I'm Ryan Coop, joined by Michael Garrell. We're back. Took about a month off here. Uh, a lot of that was my fault. Life has been Some busy. of it was my fault. Life has been busy. I've been planning a wedding. I've been doing a lot of things. Mike was busy planning a charity hockey game. Yep. How did that go, Mike? That's very good. We raised uh, close to $1,000 on short notice, considering I had to rebuild the event the week of in about a 72-hour span. So $1,000 raised for uh, for what? Uh, the Children's Rehabilitation Foundation of Manitoba. Awesome. So, last I heard, we're in and around the thousand, and that didn't quite encompass the online donations that came in during our uh, television broadcast. So wonderful, wonderful! I was there; it was a fun time and a great event that Mike puts on every year. And you know, it's admirable the kind of charity work you do, Mike, and I'm always very impressed by it. We are in and around twenty-five thousand dollars over five years, trying to break. The $25,000 barrier this year. So, Ryan, this may not come as a surprise to you, but there's another event in the works for the spring. Awesome. Follow at Mike Garrell on Twitter uh, to stay tuned to uh, more news about that stuff. But speaking of news, it's the most newsworthy day of the CFL season. It's like somebody took a wheelbarrow of papers and just dumped them on people's desks. And said, hey, sort through all these press releases. Pretty much, pretty much. CFL free agency, you know, average contract in CFL, one year, two year. Technically, they're only for one day guaranteed at a time, but that's an, that's another debate. Uh, lots of people uh, trading places uh, once free agency hits, and, and even a little bit beforehand. So uh, a lot has gone down already today. A lot continues to go down, and so... That this may be, you know, the show may go off the rails here and there as I keep refreshing my feed and uh, find more signings, more breaking news that happens. And, of course, some of the things we say today it may be irrelevant come about an hour after we record this. But so, so be it with CFL Free Agency. We are here for the next about two hours and 20 minutes to break down everything from today, from the past couple of days. And all of that. Uh, shout out to anybody joining us live on Mike FM Winnipeg uh, and listening there. And of course, this will be in the podcast feed uh, later tonight or early tomorrow. So where do we begin? Well, I, I think we should talk about the biggest story relative to this market that didn't necessarily happen today. And this gentleman summed it up great. The East is sweet. But the West is best. Come on down to Winnipeg. 
And that was a tweet sent out about yesterday, around this time, by the one, the only, Willie Jefferson, in advance of the big announcement that Jefferson has a brand new, shiny two-year contract with the Winnipeg Blue Bombers. That is huge. Like, I saw that. I started beaming. I was like, I don't even care what happens on Tuesday. You know, free agency, whatever happens. This was the big fish. The biggest fish in free agency this year. I would even say quarterback society as well. For sure. Yeah, because quarterbacks are all kind of all settled now already. Yeah, this was the biggest fish there was, and he took less, supposedly, to come back to no the Winnipeg Blue Bombers. No doubt he took less. Um, when you build a culture that you that your players believe in and you have a coach that everybody wants to play for, why mess with something that's been so successful? And I know the Toronto Ardenauts did their best grand old Raptor game, let's go to a tour type of thing. Well, he earned his way to do that. But as was reported very early on last weekend, it would take a lot to get him to leave Winnipeg and I think he looked around at situations. Um, now, there's word on the street that the Ardles and the Ticats offered Jefferson more money, which is all fine and dandy, but when you look at um, major differences between the cities, not the least of which is uh, cost of living, and not the least of which is um, in Toronto's case, and I don't mean to knock their fans in any way, shape, or form, but fan support. Um, and I think Willie, deep down, saw what happened in the Great Cup Parade last year. Why would anybody have a credible reason to want to leave what happened in November, and if you look on paper with some of the other signings, people would early on suggest, why couldn't that happen again? Yeah, and this, like, I can't understate how huge this is. Like, Willie Jefferson, by himself, can change a game, right? We we saw it countless times this season. I'm sure, the Bombers have lost some pieces on defense this offseason. You know, they did lose some guys to the NFL. Uh, I'm looking at Marcus Sales. I'm looking at Winston Rose in the defensive backfield. They are going to lose some guys on the defensive line. It looks like Drake Nevis won't be coming back to the Bombers. Um, but getting Willie Jefferson That's a back. That's casualty. Getting Jefferson back is huge. Having Adam Big Hill back for another year is huge. Like, there will be changes on that defense, and it will shift around a little bit. But the like, like this is the cornerstone, right? You got mm-hmm. the cornerstone back. You build around it, and if we want to stick with the Bombers' defense there, I, I think it's huge getting you know some of these guys back like they have. Uh, another one today, Thomas Miles, local guy, 
uh, re-signed linebacker Thomas Miles. Does a lot on special teams, too. That one, I had no doubt in my mind he was going to come back because just this week, just this last week even, you know, he's still going around Manitoba doing tours with the Grey Cup. I got a chance to talk to him for a little bit while he was doing tours with the Grey Cup. He did come by my workplace. Uh, I got a chance to chat with him. And I, it's clear he loves the community here, and he's a great part of the community. And, and it's bringing character guys like that back and Willie Jefferson, a character guy like him, and, you know, moving to the offensive side of the ball. We talk about Darvin Adams signing a three-year contract extension with the Bombers. Like, three Who's going to be Droid in the ball? That's another. Yeah, three years is a long time for a CFL contract. Correct. To be fair, I thought Darvin Adams was as good as gone this offseason. I had him booked already penciled in going to Ottawa, play with Matt Nichols, play with Paul Apolis there. I, I was floored when I, I think it was you that texted me uh, and broke the news to me that Darvin Adams signed, but not only like for one year, for three years, and took a pay cut supposedly in order to do so. Like it's crazy looking at the Joe Mack era in Winnipeg when nobody wanted to come here to the way things have been built, and this is what happens with it when you have a championship football team. And you probably have to turn down players that want to come here because you just don't have the money I, I like guys want to be here now and, and it's such a difference from what it was years ago and you can tell that just going through winnipeg's free agent list darvin adams johnny augustine stanley bryant zach claros michael couture jamarcus hardrick willie jefferson mercy maston uh thomas miles charles nelson patrick newfelt uh Nick Taylor, Jake Thomas, Drew Wolitarski, these were all guys on the Bombers free agent list this year that have re-upped with the team this offseason. Sure, they've lost some. You know, they've lost some guys to the NFL. Uh, I mentioned Rose Sale and Marcus Sales, Chris Strebler going to the NFL. Uh, they they do lose Corey Jones to Edmonton. They lose Matt Nichols. They let Matt Nichols go because they choose to go with Zach Caleros at quarterback. Other than that, the Bombers free agent list is almost basically settled then. The only guys left that don't have a contract anywhere, Chandler Fenner and Jeff Hecht and Drake Nevis. Uh, they do lose Craig Rowe to Toronto, and they do lose Derek Jones to BC this offseason. But by and large, if we want to sum up what the Bombers have done in the past week or so, in the past couple of weeks, like like this team, this championship team is pretty much still intact, is it not? What you, what you want is you want the majority of your guys to come back. You're going to, you're not going to be able to keep everybody. And I actually think, rightly or wrongly, it's a mistake to want to have everybody back. Yeah, I would agree with you, because you uh, get complacent, right? Right, and I, I think you do need that change. You do need. You know, whether those, it's those backups that push those starters and eventually push those starters, uh, the long-term starters to a backup role. And they have basically the, uh, basically the, the depth there. And I'm talking about the offensive line. Like, I, I don't want to toot horns before they're, um, before everything is, settled but I believe the Bombers will have one of the deepest offensive lines in the Canadian Football League and you know based on the fact that of injuries that have happened 
I'm at that position the last number of years. I'd like to trade from a position of strength to upgrade maybe QB2 or QB3 or just have general depth because you cannot have, it seems in this day and age, enough offensive linemen. And to me, where did a lot of teams fall short last year? It was the depth guys. They didn't have those seventh and eighth guys, and that's what differentiated uh, the good teams. Oh, sorry, the great teams from the good teams, etc., etc. And also hitting a home run in the draft, also equally important. So a lot of things have to go right, and while always good in Bomber Nation. We have to also remember, now that you're at the top of the mountain, you got to stay there. Yeah, and, and to me, the huge thing this offseason, like forget Willie Jefferson for a moment, the big thing for me was shoring up that offensive line, right? They've brought a bunch of these guys back, you know, bringing guys like Stanley Bryant, Patrick Newfelt, Jermarcus Hardrick, all of these guys back, Michael Couture uh, just to, a couple of days ago. Like that, that's huge because... Yeah, if you're going to do what they have done and commit to Zach Oleros, a guy who, yes, you know, did lead them to the cup uh, this fall, but is still, you know, the question mark is out there about his injury situation. Can he survive the entire season? Like, you need the guys to protect him. And, and I, I, there was a bit of concern, you know, maybe the Bombers would lose some of these guys, but the offensive line is still mostly intact. Pretty much the whole offense... Uh, is remaining intact. Can we tell you that Mike Rochet deserves a lot of credit for this? But I just can't imagine, and I was thinking about this, early in Mike Rochet's tenure, and I'm talking about year two, year three, right? When it would have been so easy to basically say, oh, it's not going the right way. O'Shea and Walters deserve to go. They haven't done anything. How easy would that have been to just basically say to reset the entire rebuild three years in because it wasn't working as fast as everybody had hoped? It just goes to show how bad the state of this team was when those two gentlemen came. And the seven, six, and seven years that it's taken to death to this point. Now we've had, had an opportunity, and this was a friend of mine's analogy. Now you go from the hunters to the hunted as far as the top of the lead goes. And you and I were talking before the show and you had floated something out to me that I don't I'm not sure we're gonna get into because I wanna leave it for later in the show. But there's no reason why this bomber team can't have an even better year than last year. Yeah, the Bombers uh, don't do much on day one of free agency. They go out, they get Josh Johnson at defensive back. That fills the void of a couple guys that have left. Also, a couple days ago, uh, bringing in former wide receiver Julian Fioli-Godino, some more Canadian depth at wide receiver there for the Bombers. We'll see how that all plays out. But not much movement from the Bombers. Uh, They're probably up against the cap a little bit here. I don't expect them to do too much more here. I would say the offense... We're probably looking at the offense staying consistent here a yep. little bit. Maybe another defensive back in, but I also see, you know, Winnipeg going to those training camps down south, those mini camps in Florida. And see, and, and that's that what way. 
that's what Cloud Walter said this morning. And to paraphrase, he said if we have two openings and we can plan one of them uh, today. So let's say you take Bell into that plugging a hole category. If you had one hole to plug, now I'm pretty sure that you can mask the um, opportunity for the scouts to find one gem to step into that spot. Not the end of the world. And it's so nice to know that teams, bomber teams, A, don't have to overspend, because that's something else that Walter's talked about uh, early on in his tensure. And he used Stanley Bryan and I forget who the second one was as examples. He said they had to get those guys at about 20 to 25,000 above their market value just to get them to Winnipeg. Now you don't have that. Now you have people willing to take pay cuts to stay to help keep this team together. And it just goes to show how another opportunity this football team had to re-sign Zach Talaros. Now here's another thing. They lose that first round pit because of signing Talaros. And I think they realize that A, their scouting can overcome that, and B, they found some gems later in the draft, and it's that number nine pit, right? It's not a number six or a number seven. That's fair. And it's kind of a snake draft, right? So, yeah, you know what? Opportunities for the Bombers, seeds that were planted years ago allowed them to make the decision that they made like bringing in Talaros at the expense of a first-round pit. Difficult decision, but again, a decision that you can make because you trust in your scouting staff, you trust in your in your uh, free agency, and you trust in your own guys to bring back that same work effort the next year. Now, the best team in the regular season last year was the Hamilton Tiger Cats at 15-3. and They fall in the Grey Cup to the Bombers. Uh, they're another team that really, I don't think, went out and made a big splash. But really, their job this offseason was to shore up what they had as well. And, and like the Bombers, you know, you're you're as strong of a team as you were last year. You know, you're a team playing in the championship. You're going to lose some guys uh, going to the NFL or wanting a pay raise that you just can't afford. But uh, by and large, and a couple of the big ones, especially for Hamilton, getting Ja'Garrett Davis, and uh, Dylan Wynn back on the defensive line. Uh, those really were the big moves for Hamilton. Uh, also, Frankie Williams, who was an all-star returner last year. Uh, they do re-sign David Watford, Jamal Roll, Kay Okafor, Curtis Newton, Rico Murray. Uh, Jeremiah Mazzoli, I think we talked about that on a previous episode already. He signed at the end of December. Uh, Ted Laurent, extending him for another year. Uh, Mike Filer, Michael Daly, and Tunde Adelike. So a lot of guys brought back on defense. It almost seems like for the bulk of it, Hamilton's defense is coming back for this year. Uh, what do you make of what they've done so far? I really like it. Um, you know what? They realized that they had a really good team. Um, I think they looked at their division, and they say... There's no reason based on what we've seen on paper to this point 
but we can't be right back where we came from. Uh, we're basically the same pieces. And they're basically going to say, okay, we had 15 and 3, I think was their record. Uh, yeah, 15 and 3. They saw the success that they had and didn't really see the need to blow it up over one game where they weren't necessarily their best. And we've seen that number one overall team uh, in the lead the last number of years struggle in that great cup game for whatever reason. And Hamilton, there was no reason to blow it up. They had one of the most successful years, the most successful year actually in franchise history. And they just came out on the wrong end of the stick against the Bomber defense that was superior for Launder on that Sunday evening in Calgary. And to me, I expect Hamilton to be right back uh, near the top of the East Division, and I would expect them to be one of two teams, maybe the team, clear-cut now, uh, to be back in the Grey Cup with even more of an arsenal than what they had this year. And one thing they had... Uh, this offseason, but they didn't necessarily have last year. Knock on wood, this guy stays healthy. But they actually had, and they actually have Jeremiah Mazzoli now, right? So it's a 1A, 1B scenario as far as the most important position on the field. And just that uh, gave Hamilton the reassurance that, uh, you know, they're, they're on the right course. And it was just one bad night where, you know, the Bombers were just slightly better than them, and that's the way she goes in a championship game, especially a one-off. Yeah, and the, like I said, the Ticats are going to lose some pieces here. Sure, they bring a lot back on defense, but, you know, free agency and whatnot, you are going to lose uh, some guys. They do have they do lose Justin Tuggle, who went to uh, Edmonton, Nick Shortle, who just signed with Toronto, uh, Connor McGuff signing with Calgary, Richard Leonard also signed with Calgary. So they lose some guys on defense there. Offense is where I think they kind of take a bit of a hit here. Uh, Braylon Addison leaving for the the NFL is obviously the big one because him and Banks were that one-two ridiculous punch last season. Uh, Luke Tasker also looks like he's not going to be brought back by the Ticats this year. And uh, at running back position, they make a change there. We saw them cycle through the running backs kind of last season after Sean Thomas Erlington went down. Uh, Terrell Sutton was the guy late in the season, but he looks like he is a free agent. And today they signed Don Jackson. Uh, do you like Don Jackson coming to Hamilton? Um, I do because I think it's an ideal situation for Don Jackson to kind of step out of the shadow. That is in Calgary, right? They had that uh, three-headed monster. The second day escapes me. The other day, I'm trying to think of his Kadeem Terry. Romar Morris Terry. Oh, Romar Williams. Morris is the day I'm trying to Terry think Williams. of. Terry uh, Williams. And Terry Williams, too. So he goes from a crowded backfield to a team that I think is even better talent-wise. And he gets the chance to be the guy there. Um, at least fight for more reps, for sure. I don't know. Uh, what their long-term running back depth chart looks like right now. Yeah, will Sean Thomas Erlington be back this year? I hope so. 
because he was fun so, to watch. So for me, you know, this is Don Johnson going from a crowded backfield and a chance to kind of anoint his own backfield. And it also puts a lot of pressure on him in my mind, right? Because, you know, he kind of projected himself last year to be that number one guy. I was kind of hoping he'd get more carries. Well, I have some news for you. The lights have gone on, and now is your time to shine. You well, bet. yeah, it depends on what the running back situation is, right? Because Hamilton was the one that started going running back by committee and really... Well, and I mean, running back by committee, I think, wasn't the right approach because they were forced to do it. Now, we'll see. Can they get in maybe another American? Um, uh, just throwing a name out there. I don't know if this guy's a free agent, but like a Cameron Marshall or something. Well, Cam Marshall is a free agent and was on their roster this See, last season. So, so maybe Hamilton moves to a dual running back by committee to help their quarterback, and there's not a number one situation there per se. And I and I think he also helps in their in their return game as well as another option. Uh, and I think he was on their radar regardless if Frankie Williams came back or not. So. Again, that, that that to me was a big piece for Hamilton. Uh, but again, to me, I I don't believe Hamilton goes 15 and three this year. But I still, as of this moment, am prepared to declare that the uh, Eastern Final will run through Tim Hortons Field again. Let's talk about another team out in the East that I think is the newsmaker of the day which is the Toronto Argonauts, who I'm sure by the time we get off the air in the next two hours, we'll have signed about eight more players uh, over the next two hours or so. Boy, has it been a flurry of activity for Toronto. Uh, they did sign Matt Nichols to a three-year contract a couple of days ago. First, let's get your take on that, Mike. Uh, you, you re-sign McLeod Bethel-Thompson. I believe, to a one-year contract. He's starting to think, oh, yeah, I'm coming in as the starter this year. And then you bring in Matt Nichols on a three-year deal. Uh, It was inevitable that Matt Nichols was going to go to Toronto because that's the only spot where he could potentially be a starter still. And uh, you have to think with a three-year deal, he's going to be the starter there. Do you you like this move? Uh, Because I do. I I love this combo of Matt Nichols and McLeod Bethel-Thompson for the Argos coming into next year. Can we make the comparison Toronto this year versus Ottawa after their inaugural season? As far as their movement in free agency goes? How so? I mean, Ottawa brought in a lot going into their second year of free agents to kind of change the crop. Now, that being said, I think Toronto had the best that they could possibly have in there as far as Ardenoff football as their general manager, Mike Pinball Clemens. And I think just Mike Pinball Clemens being there allows uh, more free agents to want to go there. My concern is how many of these people uh, were wooed by the money, right? And we talked about this with Winnipeg, right? The first couple years of a rebuild, they had to overpay to get a lot of those players. Uh, my question is, and you kind of pointed this out to me too when I said, uh, oh, Toronto's loading up or having a great day, and that was about halfway through all those signs. Yeah. Um, <laughs> you know, you alluded to the fact that, you know, BC tried something similar, 
and it didn't quite work till late in the year, so I'm not sure. Like I like the moves with Toronto did. I just don't know if uh, if there's something to be said for um, buying a rebuild in the form of contracts instead of maybe doing it in the draft. Right? They're going to have two first-round picks this year. Uh, their own and then the Bombers. And yeah, it's progress for Toronto, but I'm not ready to anoint them as the last to first. I only see about a four or five game improvement. Uh, I think Nettles is going to take some time to get accustomed to uh, the offense, by the way, which I love that signing for the Hardles. And, you know, Nettles' hand was kind of forced to. He considered himself to be a starter. I think he is a starter. Uh, there were just limited options as to where he was going to get that opportunity, especially when Arbuckle came off the market. It was only uh, common sense from there. But again, it's it's going to take time. I would expect the Ardos to be somewhere. I'll say this right now. They'll be somewhere around 7, 11, 8, and 12, and slowly work their way up. Um, I still think there's depth issues there. Uh, they got a lot rid of a lot of their offensive line. Uh, one of them went to Calgary uh, McEwen. Yeah, Sean McEwen. Uh, they also lost Tyler Holmes. So Andrew East, Ryan Bauman. So, again, basically, right, it's about depth, right? You can have all the shiny guys you want on your offensive line. But as we've seen in Winnipeg, offensive linemen don't stay healthy for 18 games. What do you have behind? Yeah, and just to quickly go through all, well, I don't know if I can put quickly before this, just to go through all of the like ins and outs for Toronto, uh, starting with the guys that they have let go. I mentioned Ryan Bauman, uh, running back Brandon Burks, who goes to Edmonton. I, uh, I like that move, but we'll talk about it later. Yeah. Uh, Alex Charette also going to Edmonton. Uh, Kevin Fogg released. Uh, Quadarius Ford signing with Hamilton. James Franklin going to Saskatchewan after they release him. Uh, Tyler Holmes, you mentioned. Justin Herdman-Reed goes to Hamilton. Abdul Kane goes to Ottawa. So does Cleon Lang. That's a big piece they're losing on the defensive line there. Uh, Sean McEwen, you mentioned, going to Calgary. Zach Medeiros released. Jonathan Mincy going to Edmonton. Uh, Ronnie Pfeffer. Ronnie Pfeffer signing with Calgary. Dakota Prukop signing with Calgary. Chris Rainey going to BC. Uh, they released Jimmy Ralph. Uh, Darrell Walker's a still still a free agent. Probably one of the biggest free agents out there still. Sounds like BC for him at this hour. Yeah, uh, resigning, reunite, re reuniting with Mike Riley. I I get that. Uh, we'll see if that comes to fruition. Uh, Tremaine Washington signing with Edmonton. Uh, so, and, and that doesn't include some of the free agents that haven't been signed yet. You know, maybe some of them come back to Toronto. Uh, but guys, they have brought back McLeod Bethel Thompson. I mentioned Jamal Campbell on the offensive line. Uh, just scrolling through here. Uh, Joseph Rubens uh, uh, on the offensive line. I apologize if I mispronounced any names. Along the way, Levi Noel at wide receiver. They bring him back. I'm excited about uh, that I, I like that piece. Uh, Shaq Richardson, uh, defensive back. And uh, Bear Woods at linebacker. And Chandler Worthy at wide receiver. Are you halfway through your list yet? Uh, so that's all of just Toronto. 
by the way, I like Chandler, bringing back Chandler Worthy at wide receiver. He showed some flashes this year, too. Now, if I search through the list uh, of all the guys Toronto's added today, Nick Shortle at linebacker. Uh, I mentioned Matt Nichols already a couple days ago. Darius Bladak and Philip Blake on the okay, offensive line. Okay, so there's line. that offensive line depth to replace those guys that we missed. But it's it's hard because, like... How do you go from a bathtub to a starter playing very Like, low? these guys they're signing are good. Darius Bladak and Philip Blake, I think they're great offensive linemen. I, I, I think the guys that they got rid of, like a Sean McEwen and a Tyler Holmes, like, these were some of the Argos' best offensive linemen. Granted, the team still struggled, so was it a system thing? Was it the talent around them on the offensive line? I don't know. I don't know if these moves they've made is re- are really an upgrade at the position or if it's just a uh, kind of a refreshment, if you will, uh, for them. Uh, who else do we have? Marcus Thigpen going to Toronto from Saskatchewan. Uh, Jawan Breskison from the Calgary Stampeders. Again, him going with Ryan Dinwiddie being the head coach. I think that connection brings him over there. And he's also home. He's from Ontario. That would help, too. And uh, DeVaris Daniels going to Toronto as well at wide receiver. So uh, I know he spent last year with Edmonton, but I'm going to guess the Ryan Dinwiddie connection uh, from his time in Calgary potentially played into that a little bit as well. So uh, that's not even all of the moves. Like Those are all of the ones that are updated on on the free agent list for Toronto. I know they've signed Alex Bazzi as well. Craig Rowe, I mentioned already, signing with Toronto. Uh, yeah, there, there's a lot of moves uh, for the Argos. So what do you make of this all? The guys they've brought in today. Nate, Nadia J from the Eskimos is another one they've brought in. I will say it's fascinating some of the Canadian wide receiver talent they have now in Toronto. I, I, I think they have best in the lead. Whether that works with their quarterback remains to be seen. And I still maintain there's a depth problem there. I mean, it's very hard to go first to last. Uh, sorry, last to first. Uh, year after year. Um, especially in the Canadian football league with injuries and depth. and It's a start. Looking on the offense... I, I, you know, they brought in so to many. To me, I just don't know if they're gonna win a lot of games, seventy-eight, seventy. They they brought in a lot of running backs last off season. Do you remember that? Uh, they did. I don't think any of them are there anymore. Uh, Chris Rainey's not there anymore. Terrell Sutton's not there anymore. Brandon Burks isn't there anymore. James Wilder Jr. is another guy they let go. They right Where now. Where did he end up going? Montreal. Oh wait, wait, wait. Uh, so they bring in Marcus Stigpin today. It's interesting because Thigpen in his time in Saskatchewan was kind of, you know, the relief back kick returner guy. Do we expect him to be a go-to starting running back now for Toronto? I think he could be uh, because Marcus Thigpen, if you remember earlier in his career, how explosive he has been. And he showed some of that with the Riders, too. Uh, do we expect that or do we expect them to go out and find somebody else yet, too? Um. My concern with Fitpen is this. He's handled about a quarter to half a load. Can he handle a full load at his age? And I'm curious why Saskatchewan deemed him to be expendable. Could have been a money thing. Could have been a money thing, but also could have been a, we don't believe you're worth that much. 
So if there's anybody to me of all the free agents that has a chip on their shoulder, it's not Matt Nichols. He's saying all the right things in the media when it comes to that. I think Big Pen wants to show the writers off. And not like I expected the writers to move on from William Powell either, because that would be a big mistake. But I just don't know if uh, Fed Pen can handle a bigger load than he got last year. Defensively, I think the Argos got better this offseason. With some of the moves we've seen so far, I like some of the pieces they brought in. Go back to last year. If they could have gotten some strong defensive play throughout the season, I, I think you're looking at a different Argos team because McLeod Bethel-Thompson and the boys w- – on offense, mm-hmm. like they put the points on the board, right? Mm-hmm. So I think, you know, defensively is an area where they needed to focus on this off season. I think they've improved there a little bit. Uh, I'm not going to go out and say that the Argos are a ton better because like you talked about that, I had mentioned to you already. I see this being so similar to BC last season, New coach coming in first year, former Calgary coach. Interesting. Not a lot of experience. Well. Not not the head coaching experience here. You bring him in. You bring over an entire new roster. Like rosters take time to gel, right? So we'll see how quick that is. Maybe it works better for Toronto because I'm sorry they are in the East Division that you know does have like you have Ottawa that also you know had a rough season last but year. To me, Montreal's looking to take a step forward. Ottawa probably gets better with Netar Buffalo quarterback and the moves that they made today. Can we justify that Toronto dealt themselves out of the basement? I'm not sure. One, one, one last thing I want to talk about with Toronto, because there was one guy I left out on that list of uh, subtractions for the Argos, and that and that's S.J. Green, who uh, the team released. Uh, he goes and signs in the XFL. Uh Obviously, he's got to be the biggest CFL name that has signed with the XFL thus Correct. far. What do you make of this? And could we see, it's crazy because, I mean, SJ Green's still performing at a high level given his age, you know, he is up there in age for a football player. Could we see SJ Green do the double this season where he goes and plays in the XFL and then he comes back and signs with somebody right before the CFL season? His contract expires at the end of April if he had Sapphire and less specified. The Sapphire Championship is April 26th. I wouldn't hold it against him, but he's back in the CFL. The question is how many rosters will have been set by then? And I know I hate this analogy, but is there a chair for SJ Green when he comes back? I would think there's got to be at least somewhere. But. So somewhere for probably at a minimum, right? Because that's when a lot of their camps have been t- taken care of, and a lot of their a lot of their um, money has been dolled out, uh, dished out. Um, but the other thing that kind of strikes me is why did he do this? Like I don't foresee NFL opportunities. How much do you want to bet that when he goes on XFL waivers in the next couple of days, that he'll be picked up by Mark Trussman? Well, has he not already signed with, with he Tampa? Signed, he signed with the lead. He still has to go through their waiver process. Oh, okay, okay. 
Yeah, I, I, I thought it was all but a given. I thought it was a done deal already that he did sign there. But, like, you, you know, S.J. Green, he went to he went to college in South Florida. He, he I, I think he – I heard he's been volunteering with the team. Yeah, with Tampa Bay. That's Mark Trustman's team, so. Although, according to Wikipedia, and we know how, how accurate that always is, it says here that S.J. Green has signed with the Seattle Dragons. Okay, so maybe he went through the waiver process already. So maybe he signed there. But, you know, I, I think this is just a chance for him, him to get some more fun playtime in. He does make, you know. I need a breaking news bell in this room. Do we have one? <laughs> the Edmonton Eskimos. Uh, no, sorry. The Hamilton Tiger Cats. Edmonton fans are going to hate you. Well, because this gentleman was in a Edmonton uh, f- photo. But anyway, the Hamilton Tiger Cats have signed linebacker Larry Dean. This podcast just got canceled in the entire city of Edmonton. We we can never go to Edmonton now after that, Mike. Sorry, guys. <laughs> I got so excited. Uh, yeah, so I, I saw that one too. Uh, Larry Dean signing with the Tie Cats. That, that's a huge addition there. A guy that was with the with the Tie Cats before he went over to Edmonton. I'm sure uh, will make a huge impact there for Hamilton as well. So again, that defense and Hamilton looking good coming into next year yet again. Mike, which team do you want to move on to talk about next? Can we take a break to talk about something else? Sure. And just get your thoughts on this legal tampering window. Sure. Tell me a little more about it because I've heard some about it. Uh, I've followed it a little bit, but I don't quite, maybe I don't quite understand all of the logistics of it. Basically, you can make a deal, which before would have been seen as tampering. You can bring free agents and you can negotiate uh, the parameters of a deal. Uh, if you have a deal, uh, that deal gets sent to the lead and to the player's old team. So if somebody would have, like if Toronto would have signed Jefferson to a agreed-upon contract, like if it would have come up with something in writing, obviously you can't sign anything, right? but you can come up with an agreement in principle. Uh, that would have gone to the CFL office, and that would have gone on the, on the desk of Kyle Walters as a matter of transparency. So basically, the way it was kind of explained at Kyle Walter's media availability is it's a it's a window where you can talk to free agents without getting in trouble. I mean, if everybody everybody was doing it anyways, right? So now it's might as well legal way of doing. might as well make it out in the open. You see, that's exactly what it did. Now it's just everything out in the open. And I got the sense listening to his comments, he wasn't too happy with the charade that uh, Willie Jefferson went on. But I, I don't know. From a fan perspective, I think it's kind of fun and interesting, you know, yeah. to see to see a guy like Willie Jefferson get paraded around uh, by get, all- get paraded around, so now Toronto feels used. Well, okay, yeah, if I'm the Argos, I don't feel, but I, I don't feel great about right? this. Right, so but. like, really, realistically, what were the chances that Jefferson was going to leave Winnipeg, percentage-wise, in your mind? 
I, 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 at the Great Cup parade around that time, I was fairly confident he was coming back to Winnipeg. But once you start thinking about, you know, money involved, once you start thinking about the NFL opportunities, you know, mm-hmm. I thought there was a non-zero chance he was going to go to the NFL. And then you just never know at that point. So I, I, But I, here's the other thing. Is Willie Jefferson doing himself a disservice by not going there and at least shutting it out? Well, exactly. You might as well go check it out, right? And I, the reason I find it interesting is because we get this kind of couple of days of buildup ahead of time of like, oh, is he going to go here? Is he going to go there? You know, it's turned into, I don't know if this helps or hurts, CFL free agency day well, where I'll it's tell you turned what, into sure now have... a lot of stuff happens days before. Last year we had Mike Riley's deal with BC. We knew about that before free agency even hit. So I don't know if I like that in that standpoint, that it kind of draws some of the focus out of this day. But we still had a lot of news on this day, and maybe this window helps with that because teams know kind of what type of money they're going to need to be paying certain players. And if you're Toronto and you were like, hey, I'm going to spend this much money on Willie Jefferson, and you find out yesterday already, oh, that he's going to you know, take the deal with the team, now you can go and sign 50 million players today. I like just wish did. Jefferson would have held out. And I know this is like the, the stupid side of me, for lack of a better term. But there should have been a TV special. You know, kind of like LeBron when he left Cleveland. Oh, gosh. That interview. And will he be like, I'm going to Winnipeg. Come on down to Winnipeg. I don't know. That, that's the only thing that whole side was missing in my mind. But it really felt like, getting back to that, the free agent window helped some of the contracts be already established, at least the parameters, so that when the buzzer hit, there was a couple contracts within the first 10 minutes. And Willie Jefferson yesterday kind of set in the market in motion, announcing his decision that he was going to Winnipeg. I'd went back to Winnipeg. The interesting part to me is how one individual player, and we'll never know this, how one individual player's decision would have affected the whole lead. Like, we're never going to know if Toronto gets all those guys. Probably not if they get Jefferson and where those guys end up and what Winnipeg does with the money that they had earmarked for Jefferson. Almost that would have, could have, should have, but never really happens. Just the dynamic about how one player's decision can pretty much affect the whole lead. Right. Because there were reports out there that the Jefferson decision was basically holding up a chain reaction of things with agents and contracts. So That's a hefty salary that you, you have to know whether you're paying one guy or not, right? I want to slide one more team in sure. here before we're going to take a break at the end of hour number one, reset for hour number two. Uh, let's talk about a team that I find is generally pretty quiet on free agency days uh, every year. Uh, they lose a lot of guys. They don't really bring in a lot, and that's the Calgary Stampeders. Well, they did a fair bit today compared to previous years. Yeah, uh, looking at some of the additions, I'll try to check some of the other ones here. They bring in uh, quarterback Dakota Prukop, defensive back Richard Leonard, defensive end Connor McGuff, kicker Ronnie Pfeffer, offensive lineman Sean McEwen. They do re-sign uh, quarterback Montel Cozart. Uh, a couple guys they lose, Courtney Steven at defensive back, Don Jackson at running back, and Jawan Breskison at wide receiver, I think, probably the most notable 
subtraction there for Calgary. Uh, what do we think of Calgary? Is this just same old, same old? Because, you know, they did have three straight years, was it, of going to the Grey Cup? This year they lose in round one to the Bombers. Which I still can't believe happened. Yeah, I know. I remember there was a 0% chance the Bombers were going to win the Grey Cup. Said by the Diet Frost for me right now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. A couple other guys that Calgary does lose. uh, Again, NFL tryouts. Some guys released. Deshaun Amos, uh, Reggie Bagleton, that's a huge one. Uh, Chris Casher signed with BC just a bit ago now. Um I mentioned Courtney Steven already, and then they've got some other guys that are free agents that, you know, have not been signed yet. Uh, does Cal- What does Calgary need to improve this offseason in order to get back to glory, basically, get back to the finals? I've been Cal- Calgary to improve their depth in a few spots. Um, to me, they were... They were a team that, despite their standings, played a lot of games where the margin for error for them was razor thin. I think they led the lead in games decided by a touchdown or less and came out on the right end of a lot of those. And I think this is a team that had a letdown at the worst possible game at the worst possible time. Um... Because as you remember, they were leading Winnipeg uh, in that game up until uh, Paul Apolice went for broke in the second half, and all of a sudden it was like Calgary couldn't, Calgary's run defense couldn't stop the two-headed monster of Strudler and Talaros, and then you'll remember the Nato blow, ironically enough, while trying to get ready to defend Chris Strudler, they throw Zach Talaros in, and he has that long... Uh, 70-plus yard bomb to Darvin Adams, which kind of put the game out of reach. And then and then the Strudler run in the fourth quarter, which sent everybody to the exits. Calgary needs to improve their run defense. That really let them down at the worst possible time. Um, and I, I think, you know, Calgary took a step back last year, but not as big a step as we thought because, you know, they had Mitchell... Uh, they had Arbuckle play a lot of the games. Their defense was a little bit suspect, and you know they made it work. And I, I think, I think it just goes to show the factory that uh, Hafnado and Dickinson and Killam and all these guys have created in Calgary, where it's like. Calgary and the CFL's version of the New England Patriots and the Patriots had been defeated in the first round of the NFL playoffs, per lack of better term, and the team that beat them took full advantage on their way to the winning the Grey Cup. Now, Calgary loses a couple guys at wide receiver, I mentioned. Reggie Bagleton, Jawan Breskison, like Bagleton's a loss, right? Like losing a talent like Reggie Bagleton to the NFL, and I hope he, I hope he gets a, gets a chance to stick around down south there. Uh, that's a loss, but when it's Calgary, it never really feels like a loss because you look at guys like Hergie Mayala, Josh Huff, 
uh, guys like that who stepped up down the stretch last season. They're going to find some guy that we haven't heard of. And he's going to be in the top five in lead receiving this year. You can bet that. Probably. It's it's interesting because I was just trying to think while you were talking. When's the last time Calgary, during free agency, has gone in, out and signed a big-name receiver? I can honestly not recall. Maybe, that wasn't when Maybe Nick Lewis? Like, I think Eric Rogers. Well, Eric Rogers, but he was a former Calgary but guy that, that went to the NFL. Agency. That was from the NFL coming back. I, I, I honestly cannot remember a huge piece that Calgary has signed at wide receiver that wasn't. Even at quarterback, I mean. Well, yeah, because when you but, have But Bowie Mitchell came Mitchell, in at a minimum, right? They brought yeah. him in and he was the third string and worked his way up. Uh. So it's Man, almost, you make me really scratch my head and go back. Yeah, I, I, I can't remember. Calgary, to me, the last number of years in free agency was what Winnipeg did today. Their own guys, and we hope that works uh, for us. And we trust our scouting guys. We trust the guys that were, you know, backups that, to take the next step and be a full-time starter, and they'll go with that. And today they addressed the need. They brought back uh, uh, quarterback there, other than Prochop, but Cozart. Montel uh, Cozart, yeah. And 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 Prochop, and, and like you said to me before the show, how much depth does Calgary need when you have a bully by Mitchell? And I think they've always believed that Cozart could be that number two guy. And now he gets his chance. Well, I think it will be remain to be seen in training camp, whether it's Prukop or Cozart. And again, the we've, we've seen Prukop in a limited action. I, I like that signing for... In a system that didn't really work for him. I like that signing for Calgary. Because but now you put him with stars around and more talent around it. It made sense. And I think this was a guy in Dakota Prukop that you were high on. Uh, in Toronto a little bit there, or uh, no, I think you were you were more high on Michael O'Connor. You wanted I was to high see on him, right? And then... But we did see uh, some gameplay from Dakota Prukop there that was a bit interesting. So, but again, what talent did he have around him last year? Not very much, and I I think he could flourish under and behind Bowley by Mitchell. And uh, maybe because we'll... truth be told, he's not coming in to replace Bowley by Mitchell. No, and maybe he'll be next off season or the year after's uh, Nick Arbuckle. That remains to be seen. We'll take a quick break here for about five minutes if you're joining us live, and uh, we'll be back to kick off hour number two of our free agency special, and uh, we'll talk some more teams around the CFL here. And we'll take things to the City of Champions next. Perfect. All here on the Canadian Football Countdown, a proud member of the Canadian Football Podcast Network. To interact with us on social media, follow us on Twitter at at CFC on MikeFM. Mike can be found at at MikeGarrell, and Ryan can be found at at CooperTrooper42 as well. Like us on Facebook at Facebook.com slash CFC on MikeFM. Whatever platform you're listening on, we'd love it if you would take a moment to like, comment, subscribe, or follow, and share to help us grow the show. Thank you very much for your support. Now, back to the show. And we're back for hour number two on our CFL free agency special on the Canadian Football Countdown. Proud member of the Canadian Football Podcast Network. Check out cfpodnetwork.ca 
and at CF Pod Network on Twitter for all of the other great shows who I'm sure we'll see a flurry of podcasts coming out in the next week, in the next couple of weeks, uh, to break down all the CFL free agency news. So check all of those out as well. Get perspectives from everybody around the network. Well, you wanted to go off to the City of Champions next, Mike, but uh, last I remembered, uh, we're in the City of Champions. We're in the City of Grey Cup Champions. The 2019 Grey Cup Champion Winnipeg Blue Bombers. I will continue to throw that into any conversation I possibly can because it feels it, so good. Because it just sounds so dead. Uh, but you want, you meant you wanted to go talk about the Edmonton Eskimos next. So uh, what is it about the Eskimos that makes you want to go there next? Well, just the the pieces that they tried to retain, uh, the pieces that they left. A little bit surprising after about a week ago, there was a story came coming out that the uh, Edmonton uh, Eskimos were ready to part ways with Logan Kildor, and uh, this morning they resigned them uh, officially. And uh, went and got, uh, you'll have to help me out, out on this one. I, I don't have it in front of me. Uh, defensive bat? I, I don't know where you're going. Jonathan uh, Mincy? I'm blanking out, yeah, Mincy. Uh, to really help out an area in my mind, which be has the most straddled in. Um it just seemed like Trevor Harris to throw for a couple hundred yards a game, um, but the defense couldn't get off the field. Uh, and a lot of uh, keys setting down, and more particular uh, two and outs. Um, personally, I think Edmonton had a lot of trouble uh, more consistently getting pressure on quarterbacks. Uh, notice I didn't say satin quarterbacks, I just said getting pressure on quarterbacks to uh, force those two and outs. And the defense really didn't help our offense, but it was very dead. And all of a sudden, we were allowed to believe that Edmonton was in on Devere Posey and Devere's Daniels, among other people, and they seemingly struck out on a big target for Trevor Harris. Yeah, so looking at the free agency list here for the Eskimos, uh, guys they're bringing back this year, David Beard on the offensive line, Shaq Cooper at running back. I love that move right there. Uh, looks like they're moving on from C.J. Gable. Uh, I don't know. I kind of I kind of like... They, who would they have as... I kind of like going with Shaq Cooper as the starting running back going into next year. And then you also look for the first time in his career being a... A free agent uh, fullback, Calvin McCarty. Yeah, and we're and they also do bring in Brandon Burks. That's a move you wanted to talk about earlier. Too. Yeah, and- I like this duo of Shaq Cooper and Brandon Burks. I'm high on both of these guys. I wanted to see them play a little more this year. Granted, you know C.J. Gable, it's hard to take playing time away from him. But I thought these are two guys that, when given a chance, they're explosive backs that can get it done. Are we looking at a two-headed monster situation? I think in the modern CFL, you kind of have to. Yeah. I mean, what did Montreal have last year? Jeremiah Johnson. William Stanback. And William Stanback. And Stanback. The question for me becomes, we talk about this later on. What does Montreal do at running back now with Stanback is in the NFL? Dead James Wilder Jr. Yeah, James Wilder Jr. plus plus, right? 
So how does the new change of scenery there help? But back to Edmonton, I think there's a lot of question at running back, but I think they went with, do we want one expensive guy or do we want two guys for the price of maybe we could get one guy and then shore up Hello Mincy, other were on the roster. I will say this, going into last year, I predicted William Stanback would lead the league in rushing. Uh, he didn't win the rushing title because he did miss time due to injury. Uh, but he had a great season. Now he's off to the NFL. I'm going to make a bold day one free agency prediction that uh, Shaq Cooper, uh, thousand yard rusher in 2020. It's not that far fetched, but it seemed like whenever that guy touched the ball, he had a he had a spark. The only thing I'm concerned about is that I feel like a Trevor Harris offense is a pass heavy offense. I don't know how that plays with Scott Milanovic's system, though. I don't know. Do you have any insight from his time with the Jacksonville Jaguars? Is he a run guy? Is uh, he a... Jacksonville is a poor, a poor assessment. I think he'd have to go back to what he did in Toronto. Where um, he had Ricky uh, Ray. And it was, uh, it really depended who his quarterback was that ain't. Uh, I would expect there to be, uh, 7 out of 10 throwing tennis scenario. Um, I, I don't think you bring in Trevor Harris with, with uh, that amount of money if you don't have him throwing every 7 out of 10 plays. But That's fair. That being said, I think if you bring it down to 6 and 4, 6 out of every 10, I think the whole team will be better off for it. Uh, I think you're looking at a situation where if the Edmonton Eskimos are to finish in the top two in the West. You're looking at Trevor Harris having to throw for almost 6,000 yards and having to protect the football. Uh, very few fumbles. It would probably have to be a, a 30 touchdown to 6 or 7 in an interception ratio. Um, and plus, we don't know what knowledge... Uh, Milanovic has garnered since his last CFL stint. You want to get that breaking news bell out again, Mike? Micah Johnson has found a new home with the BC Lions, according to Justin Dunk. Yeah. Um, this helps Mike Riley for sure. Um, well, helping the defense get off the field a little bit quicker. I'm just not sure. I want to see the see the uh, um. I just I just want to see the uh, the BC Lions pick up where they left off to end last year. A healthy Mike Riley, and then not have to rely on Michael Johnson as much because I think he's getting up there in age and I think that may have scared a few teams off and I think it would have come I don't want to say it became a bidding war but you know BC clearly had a need to go out there and and fix their defense to an extent and they hope that this accomplishes it 
I hate to derail th our talk about the Eskimos. We're going to get back to that in just a second. Then we'll get back, touch more on BC. But I need another clap there, Mike. We have more breaking news on oh, BC at the same time. Jeremy, we're never going to get out of this hour without talking about what we wanted to do. You you mentioned the offensive line trying to keep Mike Riley upright for BC. I can't think of a better guy to bring in than offensive lineman Riker Matthews from the Hamilton Tiger Cats on a two-year deal. That is huge. This all of a sudden at this moment... May it become an arms race out west. And I think we might have to look at the Edmonton Eskimos being in last place at this point in time. Yeah, so getting back to the Eskimos, we'll touch more on that BC. Because uh, this changed my whole perspective on BC. I didn't have much to say about the Lions before. Well, this whole thing changed my perspective on Edmonton too. Ironically enough. Uh, so talking about some of the mo other changes for Edmonton, uh, you know, Alex Bazzi, I mentioned going to Toronto. Uh, Travis Bond's a free agent. Arjen Colhoun is a free agent. Larry Dean goes to Hamilton. Devaris Daniels goes to Toronto. CJ Gable's gone. Tommy Draheim's a free agent. Taekwon Glass signs with Montreal. Uh, Money Hunter is gone. Martise Jackson. I believe Money Hunter is off to Montreal. It doesn't say it on here. Josh Johnson goes to Winnipeg. Uh, Jesse Joseph's a free agent. Andrew Marshall's a free agent. You mentioned Calvin McCarty's a free agent, interestingly enough. Uh, Maurice McKnight, a free agent. Uh, Christoph Mwamba Shimunga signing with Ottawa. Jamil Smith, Josiah St. John, both free agents. Don Inumba, another big one signing with Ottawa. Nick Usher being released, I believe, for NFL opportunities, if I'm correct on that one. Uh, so those are all guys that are gone from Edmonton, guys they're bringing back. I mentioned David Beard, Shaq Cooper, Jordan Hoover, Christian Jones, Logan Kilgore, Mark Mackey extended today, Mike Moore, uh, Anthony Parker brought back on another uh extension. Remember, he signed with the Eskimos last year, but I believe missed the entire season due to a an injury in training camp. So maybe Anthony Parker being healthy has to do with why they decide to move on from a guy like uh, Natea Jay, uh, who did go to Toronto uh, potentially. And then Jacob Ruby on the offensive line, Javon Santos Knox brought back as well. James Tuck and Brian Walker also extended uh, new moves for uh, new guys brought in for the Eskimos. Uh, Shakir Ryan, from the Montreal Alouettes, that might, that should be a... That's interesting. Why is that one? Because wasn't the Shakira a Turner, if I remember? Yes, and given that Martis Jackson's a free agent, perhaps they're going in a different direction, right? I, I, I think they're trying to look at a part of their problem last year was I don't think they had the greatest appeal position in a lot of games until Martis Jackson came. A lot of the CFL is can you flip the can you flip the field on a dime? I mean, Winnipeg's got that, Calgary's got that, Saskatchewan's got had that, and maybe now with Luchas Purifoy as a returner. I mean, pretty much it's an arms race for returners now, and to me, Shakira Ryan kind of fits the bill as a depth guy slash game breaker. 
other guys they've brought in. It's just amazing to me how teams try to replicate each other. Yeah. It's like you made a move, and now I made the move to counter the move, and somebody else made the move to counter the move on top of the move. And then that's, you know, you get bidding wars and arms races. That's a good point. Very good point. Uh, because other- now, how do you justify one through five in the West? You flip a coin and hope you're right. Isn't that what we do every year anyways? Well, now all of a sudden, that fifth place got a little bit closer to the top. Uh, other guys they brought in, Brandon Burks we talked about already, Alex Charette at wide receiver, uh, Jonathan Mincy we talked a little bit about there already, Tremaine Washington, another defensive back, uh, Justin Tuggle at linebacker, that's a huge piece to bring in to replace Larry Dean and Don Anumbuk being let go. Uh, Corey Jones, uh, former Bomber, signing with Edmonton as well. Uh, he was with Edmonton, and the Bomber got up from Edmonton. And and then Jean-Simon Roy, or Wa, I guess it's probably pronounced, uh, signing with Edmonton on the offensive line. And that's what we have for additions for the Eskimos. So, I don't know. Edmonton's one of those teams that I, I'm a little bit low on. Right now, I, I kind of like I like what they did at the running back position. I really like the addition of Scott Milanovic as the new head coach there in Edmonton. I'm interested to see what that will do because, uh, you know, we talked a lot about what was Edmonton's issues. It was the discipline thing, which I think came as a bit of a result, maybe, of their head coach, Jason Moss. So maybe that's enough alone. But to me, it seems like the Eskimos have lost a lot of guys, especially on defense, that they haven't necessarily replaced, which is interesting because that's the opposite of how I felt last season. If you remember, Mike, the Eskimos going into last season were my Grey Cup pick because I was really happy with what they did to improve on their defensive struggles from the year before. I thought, you know, bringing in Larry Dean, bringing in Donanumba, bringing in Javon Santos-Knox at the linebacker position, some of the defensive backs they brought in, I was high on those moves. Now it's almost like after a year, those guys are moving out, and I don't feel like they've replaced them as well. Edmonton lost two games to Winnipeg by less than a touchdown. Edmonton gave Winnipeg a touchdown via penalties in both of those games. That's the margin for error, but we'll talk about Edmonton won a Calgary, Winnipeg won a Calgary, and Winnipeg won out east versus Edmonton won out east. I have to ask also for a team like Edmonton, how much does NFL guys play into this? You have Duke Williams, you have Bryant Mitchell, both go to the NFL. You have some guys on defense, uh, like Nick Usher going for NFL tryouts. Are you maybe not spending as much in free agency today because uh, you're thinking maybe we'll get these guys back? But I don't know. We saw... First off, I don't think Duke Williams is coming back. He played an integral part in that playoff game for the Buffalo Bills. I I, I think it's... uh, I think it's a little bit of haywire when... You know, you wait for NFL guys to come back because when is that going to be around Labor Day? Right. If you don't do anything in the first half of the year in this West Division, 
you're on your way out the door. Yeah, and I guess Duke Williams, he was already with the Bills for the entire season, yes. right? He wasn't in Edmonton this year, was he? No. So. No, to me, I've been... I guess Bryant Mitchell also had that injury and wasn't with the Eskimos this year, so... Right, so I see this the thought process to Ryan. I just think to sit around and wait for NFL touch, which may or may not happen, uh, more than half or three-quarters of the way into your season, unless they touch guys at a mini-camp, which would put them on track for an early-season return. But even if a guy gets to a mini-camp, he's got other opportunities. So to wait for a guy to get cut to basically Labor Day doesn't make any sense when you've got 10 or 11 games. And let's just say you go 3-7. and seven. Well, 3-7 and seven in today's West Division, it's pretty much ball game over as far as that goes. Then all of a sudden you need a you need a seven and two in your back half of your nine games to to get back to five hundred or eleven and seven or twelve and six. The fact of the matter is the West Division, a good football team with a good quarterback, is going to miss the playoffs. Plain and simple. And then it's what do you do in those games, those close games head to head that differentiate you giving up a touchdown or winning by a touchdown? I want to move on to talk about another team here. And I think that's where your concern is with Edmonton is they've made so many mistakes to get themselves out of a lot of football games last year. Uh, you didn't crack down if you're Milanovic on the discipline. And where does it come at? At the expense of your defense or at the expense of your offense? Penalties would, cert- would certainly get, get your offense back on the field or your defense off the field. I mean, how many times did Edmonton have a team off the field, but there was a late hit on the quarterback? Yeah. Which extended drives and... Teams are way too good at converting on new life on drives for touchdown. Yeah, it's all a good point. Maybe maybe the penalty changes, maybe that's enough for Edmonton. Maybe, and, I, maybe I'm selling Edmonton short here a little bit. And why is Winnipeg so good? Because O'Shea addressed the discipline. The Bombers never really, especially when it mattered in the playoffs, never took those boneheaded penalties but kept other teams on the field. And Bombers forced turnovers galore. I'm not sure the Eskimo defense is a turnover-making machine right now. Let's move on to talk about another team here, and let's head out east to a team. We'll come back. We'll talk more BC Lions in a little bit. Let's, <laughs> let's let the BC Lions new moves. Let's let them stew a little bit before we talk about them here. Maybe we can get the Can we talk value. about the team that's allowing cheerleaders back on the field? Sure. That's actually where I was going to go to next, the Montreal Alouettes. Um, the Montreal Alouettes have gotten with the 2020 times with these new owners, which I don't think we've had a chance to talk about. No, we have not. Eh, let's, maybe we should start there. Uh, real estate developer Modo Sid Spiegel and his partner, whose name escapes me right now, are the new owners of the Montreal Alouettes who 
have a prime interest in supposedly making it work. And to me, it's a lot of what Montreal did in advance of today. But I think it's going to get a lot of headlines. Uh, Vernon Adams, three-year contract. Um, Gary, Gary Stern was the other owner's name. Right. I knew his first name was Gary, but I didn't know his last name. But a lot of what Montreal did, um, bringing in Danny Machosa was awesome. David's respected in the Quebec community. Obviously, a David endorses. This new general manager had no choice but to endorse Kari Jones. Why wouldn't he, based on what happened last year? And now you got this ownership hierarchy, a little bit of a reconstruction of the who's superior to who in chain of command. But that seems to be ratified, and now you got your your number one guy locked up for three years, and now it's about building on what you did last year to make sure that you know we aren't having this discussion about Montreal having a good year this year and going six and twelve. Full disclosure, I don't see that happening, but that's what you wanna that's what you wanna prevent. So for me, Montreal's headlines happened before today. And whatever they had today was gravy. It's weird to go into a season potentially, and granted there's months still to go till the season. It's weird to go into a season where the biggest question mark surrounding the Montreal Alouettes is whether is whether the cheerleaders will be on the sideline, which the the ownership team decided they you know, budget cuts, they weren't going to have them this season, and then people you know, complained and said, no, we 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 like that part of the game day experience. And now the cheerleading team uh, gets to come back for 2020. The ownership changed their mind. Like, this is the biggest controversy slash question mark we're dealing with right now with the Montreal Alouettes. Is this the same team we've been talking about on this podcast for the past six years? Like, I'm high on the Alouettes coming into what they've done this offseason and, and going into next year because I think... They're at a right place. They're at a stable place. And that's the key word here to me. That things have stabilized in Montreal with the head coach in Kahari Jones, Danny Machocha at GM, you mentioned, uh, you know, Vernon Adams as, as your franchise quarterback. They didn't really need to go and do a ton in free agency today, did they? Montreal? Yeah. Um, or do, or do we think, because, they they still did, you know, they were out in round one in the playoffs to Edmonton, to be fair. Uh, they did make the jump to the playoffs, but you had, the, uh, you had the Argos and you had the Red Blacks in your division, which were not great teams. Um, Montreal did play some good games against the West. I will give them that. They were definitely the most exciting team in the season. I think for Montreal, it's more about building depth. Uh, we saw some injuries on the defense creep up to them late last year, and they didn't quite have the depth to to overcome those. Um, Montreal also shed a lot of salary before today, which was a bit of a curious move. Maybe they have some stuff coming. But Montreal is also in a taste of 
They have to be careful because I don't believe they have their first round picks for the next couple years. Where did Hamilton give up all those picks to get Manziel? Where did Johnny Football last play his career? Montreal? If I was Montreal. Yeah, it was Montreal. Montreal doesn't have a first round pick, I think, for the next two years for sure. Uh, Sid Spiegel and... Uh, Gary Stern. <laughs> Gary Stern. <laughs> you will <laughs> learn Gary Stern's name by by the time kickoff this year. I better. I better learn them by the end of this show. The first question he asked at his press conference, I don't know which one it was, The one of them was there. And the first thing he asked Bob Young is, can we have a drop pitch bat? <laughs> to which Bob Young said no. But... You get what I mean. Montreal, Montreal for me is about depth. Uh, having a made smart pitch now that they don't have a first round pitch. And that to me is something we didn't really talk about with Hamilton is they have currency to make moves if they want. And, you know, to me, I think today in general could be summed up in one sentence. The teams that had to do something today with money to spend did stuff. The good teams just retained some of their players, got a little bit better, and didn't really upset a lot of things. Yeah, looking at Montreal's moves. uh... And I would throw Montreal into that boat with Winnipeg. Uh, Saskatchewan retaining their own drives. We'll talk about them coming up. Yeah, guys, Montreal is brought back. They uh, earlier in January they re-signed Mario Alford, who uh, had a couple explosive kick returns for them. Uh, today, re-signing Siante Evans, that defensive back, that's a huge one, a uh, big piece there on the defensive line, uh, wide re- or defensive backfield. Sorry, wide receiver uh, Felix Faubert Louisier extended, Sean Jamison on the offensive line, DJ Walama at linebacker. Uh, Christian Matt on the offensive line, Spencer Moore at fullback, Najee Murray at cornerback, uh, Landon Rice on the offensive line, uh, and Dominic Termanson at defensive back. Now, now that's a huge thing here for me that they, they're bringing back the guys on the offensive line because they had a great run game last year and Vernon Adams had a great season as well. So a team that as much as we talked about coaches, quarterbacks, management being issues for many years offensive line was for montreal as well and and maybe they found some pieces in there and now that's stabilized a little bit again the the key word for me for montreal this offseason is stability and and i think that's huge there and then one other guy they uh they signed to a contract extension which i think is huge is uh wide receiver eugene lewis uh started a little slow last year uh, I only remember this because you originally drafted him on your fantasy team and then let him go, and then I picked him up and I won. Uh, <laughs> Decisions in week two that make me question everything. <laughs> but in fairness, my team rounded into form from about week 10 onward and just about came back. Yes, that is true. It was a great comeback. But uh, yeah, strong season for Eugene Lewis. Definitely one of Vernon Adams' favorite targets. Uh, what do you think it means to have him back for another year? And, and what's the limit for Eugene Lewis and Vernon Adams this season? Um, to me, 
I think they made a mistake uh, releasing Devere Posey, but that's just me. Uh, maybe it was a budget thing with the new contract for Vernon Adams. But I think if you're going to have with Eugene Lewis have some success, I think you need to have receivers and playmakers around them. Uh, James Wilder Jr. is a great start to that. But I just think it can't be all about Eugene Lewis and then you expecting Eugene Lewis to do everything. No, and I don't think you are because you've got guys like Quan Bray who's going to have us yep. another strong year this year. Um, and, and uh, you know, sometimes I think the biggest additions a team can have in the offseason is a guy coming off of injury. B.J. Cunningham should be back this year. Right? We didn't see him for most of last season because he was out due to injury. We certainly didn't see him with VA in, at the controls. Exactly. So I, I, I'm really interested in that addition. And we, we got to talk about James Wilder in Montreal. William Stanback, losing him to the NFL obviously sucks because William Stanback is great. I love watching him play. I hope he gets a great shot in the NFL. But they bring in James Wilder Jr. and... I am excited to see what he will do this year because if he comes in with the right mindset, also uh, and, and playing with Kahari Jones as his coach, who the guys clearly seem to love playing for Kahari Jones, I, I, I think I think this is going to be a good season for James Wilder Jr. The other thing I'm not sure about. But I also think the change of scenery will benefit JWJ. At least I remember that name. Um, all, all, all pun and all pun intended. Um, but no, I, I think Montreal just kind of steadied the ship, got themselves a running back, but they, but they felt like. They had to get an adequate replacement, and let's not kid ourselves. I think Stanback is a better running back than than uh, Wilder Jr., but... Sorry. Getting sleepy here after no, an hour and a half, Mike? Sneezing. Um, but, no, I think to get... To do what you release, like to release a guy, uh, or to lose a guy, so he did the NFL, and to have to try to come up with a replacement, I think JWJ was the best possible option out there at the time. I mean, if you looked at it, the running back pool was not that deep as far as the established running backs this year. So Montreal maybe saved themselves a little bit of money in the long term because I think the next contract for Stambat would have been the highest paid American running back for sure. Um, I would be led to believe that Andrew Harris is the highest paid running back in the CFL just given his national status. But to me, this was a lot about steadying the ship. Don't overly rock the boat and make sure you don't hit an iceberg. And if you start taking in a little bit of water, just to make it a little bit manageable and 
Right now, they may have hit an iceberg losing uh, Stambat, but right now they're almost finished with the bailing out because things are starting to steady with their current situation at running back. I just wanted to double check on this, but that's why I was stumbling my words before because I didn't want to put this out there if I misread it correctly. Uh, congratulations to James Wilder Jr., by the way. It looks like he's going to be a father. Awesome. So congratulations to him uh, and his new partner. New contract with the new team and new new parents. New, new baby on the way, it seems, uh, according to his tweet. So congrats to James Wilder Jr. Uh, One thing on quickly that. while we're on the topic of family. Sure. It's just how adorable Willie Jefferson's family is. Oh, my gosh. His daughter is the cutest. And then they had the picture with them in the bomber locker room with the gray top and saying this is home. That was adorable. But if that doesn't, if that, if that doesn't exemplify what the CFL and what family means to a lot of these players, I, I, I think you don't have a heart if you, if you don't find that to be adorable. Because any person, regardless of team, regardless of, um, regardless of what fan of team may are, you want these players to be happy. With where they signed. Absolutely. Uh, and it's not necessarily the most money that wins out at the end of the day, as we've seen. Couldn't have said it better myself, Mike. Uh, one of the thing, or a couple of the other guys, Montreal signed. Uh, before we move on, they again, they didn't do much today. Signing Mike Benson, a long snapper, was with Ottawa last season, and Taekwon Glass at defensive back from Edmonton. So a couple moves there for Montreal. Let's move on to our next team here, Mike. And do you want to go east uh, or do you want to go west? Let's go west. Let's go west and let's talk about the BC Lions that we were just talking about, unless you have more breaking news. No, real quick. Uh, the BC Lions have signed an entire loon. This is from John Hodge of Three Down Nation. And the Blue Bomber Talk podcast. Yep. The BC Lions have signed an entirely new starting defensive line today. Chris Tasher, Micah Johnson, Ryan Brown, and J.R. Travai. Pretty darn good for a team that I thought last year could have done better than not for the quarterback. Yeah, that that's that's not bad additions. Again, that's crazy to me that you're just wiping your entire defensive line clean because I thought they did have some good pieces on that line. I'm looking at a guy like Sean Lemon, for example, on there. Odell. Does that mean Odell Willis won't be back this year with BC, I'm guessing? Mm, not confirmed, but not without a substantial pay cut, is my guess. They do have Jonathan Newsom coming back already on the D line uh, as well. So, yeah, some bright new pieces brought in for BC. Uh,. That Riker Matthews addition on the offensive line, I can't get over how huge that one is uh, because the big issue last season was if Mike Riley was upright a little more often last season, I think BC would have made the playoffs, right? Pardon me? Take a couple of those sacks away and have them turn into drives and BC's in the playoffs last year. And then who knows what happens. What did they do? And correct me if I'm wrong, and sorry, I don't have this information in front of me, but did BC do anything to fortify their offensive line? Riker Matthews. I just right, talked okay. about it. Riker Matthews. But there's one guy single-handedly changed the outlook 
of an offensive line. Ah, uh, let's see what else they did here on the O line. That, 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 that's my question. Like, are we looking at Ranger Matthews and saying this this line gives up ten less shots, which may be enough to push them over the finish line? But the fact of the matter is, I don't think you want a quarterback that's ever, regardless of your Mike Riley. For sure, if you're that Talaros, you don't want to see that many hits in a year. Yeah, so it doesn't look like they've brought in anybody else new quite yet. But again, BC just made these two big moves, Micah Johnson and Riker Matthews. Right now at about 6 p.m. Central time, uh, late in the day. So who knows, maybe come tomorrow, maybe there's more moves coming. You know, Maybe BC was waiting to see what those initial moves were, and now they're going to step in and they're going to start doing stuff here. Uh, do you... Do you subscribe to the theory that BC is no longer a last place team as currently constructed on opening day of free agency at 6.38 central time? Do you have enough to say that BC has at least moved themselves into fourth? I don't think it's a guaranteed. I, I think they have what it takes, and I think... And remember, we're not talking about the rumored announcement that Darrell Walker's coming to help that offense. Yeah, that would be huge. If that one comes true, um, I don't know, because BC's made some moves today. Micah Johnson is, I mean, the defensive line changes you mentioned already, and the Riker Matthews change, those are big ones for me. Those changed my outlook on BC, because I was kind of taking a look at things saying, you know, BC didn't really do a whole lot today. Uh, based based on things we had seen up until that point, but uh, I don't know. I think this team will improve, but I don't know if it's a guaranteed enough improve over how, what other teams have done for them to move up in the rankings, if that makes any sense. I, I will say perhaps maybe the biggest addition for them is just some consistency from last year. They made that offensive line coach switch midway through the season. It seemed to work really well for them down the stretch. It's unfortunate for Brian Chu with the scapegoat for all of this. Yeah, but it seemed to help the team. And so maybe maybe it's just that. Maybe it's a new year. Maybe it's the new coaching staff. Maybe things change around with the offensive game plan for BC here. So TSN's Farhan Lazi reporting that Micah Johnson deal with the BC Lions is $200,000. That's about what I would have expected. And an interesting quote from Dave Campbell, 630 Chad in Edmonton. Uh, this free agency saw salary cap rise by 50000 and minimum salaries rise by $11,000. Prof Sutter was at minimum salaries rising worked out to be about a $136,000 hit to their cap. Big-name players still got paid. Entry-level players got a boost. Players in the middle, however, felt the crunch most. That tends to happen, though, right? And that made sense, right? Because if you solidify the upper, move the the ground level on the bottom... Somewhere in the pie, there's got to be the impact. And I just don't know if you're working yourself into another situation in the future where now you've got the middle of the path of players, which is a sizable group, if I might add. I would say that's the biggest group of the player tier. 
got to join us in the Nutsana CBA negotiations. What's in there for us? We lost money the last time around. If you do the three-year averages of money gained together, it doesn't make, it equates to a lot less or a lot more in the original than in this new arrangement. So the fact of the matter is, I still believe the CFL needs to be more cap. Uh, they need to have more uh, salary cap clearance uh, to benefit all parties. However, that being said, you give teams more salary cap space, I still think you have the same problem with the with the upper tier guys like your Boley by Mitchell, still taking more of that money regardless of how you fix it. Yeah, some of the other moves for BC here, uh, signing Brandon Dozier at defensive back, I think that's a great signing there. Uh, I remember him being a huge player for the Alouettes a couple of years ago. Uh, you mentioned the defensive line changes. That's what a lot of these... Chris Rainey comes back to BC. Uh, at the running back position. That one is an interesting one for me because the way things ended for Chris Rainey and BC, I felt like that was not pretty. Uh, he had a bit of a falling out there. Granted, Wally Buono is no longer in charge of the BC Lions, and that was who he had the falling out with. But uh, I like the return of Chris Rainey to the Lions. Uh, Chris Casher on defensive line, you mentioned that one already. Uh, and then... Uh, some of the other guys that they're bringing back, uh, Aaron Grimes at defensive back, Shaq Johnson at wide receiver. Anybody who knows me knows I'm a big fan of Shaq Johnson. Uh, Adam Konar extended, Jonathan Newsom, Gary Peters at defensive back, Brandon Rutley gets a new contract, and uh, Hunter Stewart on the offensive line as well. So, yeah, a lot of change for BC on the defensive side of the ball. Are you surprised they didn't do more on the offensive side? For which team? BC. Did they really? Other than that offensive line? No, I'm saying, are, are you surprised they didn't do more? I think we're putting the tarp before the horse, right? If you throw in, if you throw in uh, the big name receiver to a water, I think... That just basically nullifies everything we just spent the last minute talking about. But as of this very moment, I'm not sure there's too much more BC can do, assuming they have a lot of money tied up with that billion receivers. But to me, I'm just curious. Like, we're sitting here at 644, and there's still sizable names out there without a contract. My question is, if guys think they're worth so much money... And all of a sudden, that money doesn't isn't there anymore. What happens, right? Like if you think you're worth two hundred thousand dollars, but a team will only offer you one forty, how long do you wait on two hundred before that team's offer goes down from one forty to one twenty, and all of a sudden you just lock yourself out on twenty thousand dollars? by waiting for what you think is more. That's fair. So my question to you is, are players overpricing themselves? Or teams? Yeah, I, I think that's potential. You know, when you have 
all of these guys out there and when you're as talented as you are, I think there's certainly a potential for that where guys are saying, hey, I'm I'm just going to wait a little bit, you know, and, and power to them. It's their decision. There's no rush for them to do this on day number one, right? None of these players have to sign on day one. Uh, some of them obviously do. And yeah, the longer you go, maybe the more you risk, oh, another guy taking your salary out of here. Courtesy of John Hodge, some of the free agents still remaining. Darrell Walker, Patrick Lavos, Chris Atti, DeBeer Posey, uh, Money Hunter, Derek Dennis, Jermaine Gabriel, just to name a few. Could we see a guy, if they don't get Darrell Walker, could we see a guy like DeVere Posey going back to BC? I could see it, potentially. Depends on the money, mate. Depends on the money. Um, and I, I think you didn't just get a player for cheaper. Considering you already have a game breaker in Brian Burnham. Right. That's true. Who I'm surprised didn't, didn't look at the NFL. I want to move on to another team here. We'll take at the end of the hour. We'll take a quick break again. We'll come back for about twenty minutes or so. Yeah, twenty uh, minutes. Yeah. At the top of uh, the third hour, uh, and then we'll wrap things up for a final twenty minutes. We'll save the Ottawa Red Blacks for the top of seven o'clock hour because that is the big finish I want to finish off with here because I have a lot to say on the Ottawa Red Blacks and what they've done. You sure done. we shouldn't do this now to the next hour so you don't run out of time? No, I, uh, we're going to talk about Saskatchewan Rough Riders here before we go Perfect, to break. Perfect, because I want, your, I want my hockey audience coming to hear what you have to say about the Ottawa Red Blacks. Sounds good. So the Riders, I put them in the same category as I put Winnipeg and as I put Hamilton. Teams that didn't really do anything today but didn't really need to. Uh, the Riders, you know, a lot of their roster is intact. A lot of it has been, uh, they did lose some pieces to free agent, to free agency to the NFL. Uh, just looking at things here, you know, they do, did lose a guy like Derek Moncrief to the NFL, which is going to be a big loss there. Uh, but, you look at the free agent list for the Saskatchewan Rough Riders. You got uh, Ali Buka uh, extended at defensive back. Dan Clark extended. Uh, Tacoby Cofield extended. Solomon L. Mimian brought back today. That's a big one there. Uh, Ed Gainey's another big one. Chad Geeter. Makana Henry. Uh, Jorgen Hoos, the long snappers extended. Cameron Judge who came on really strong last season, uh, Keenan LaFrance, A.C. Leonard, Nick Marshall, uh, Jordan Reeves, Jonathan and John Ryan, the kicker uh, in Saskatchewan. These are all guys brought back, and probably the biggest one being Shaq Evans that they extended uh, just at the, you know, a couple days ago. It was started to be question marks of whether Shaq Evans would be back in Saskatchewan, but they managed to bring him back couple of the pieces they lose, Manny Arson, or guys that haven't signed anywhere yet. They could go back to Saskatchewan, but I feel like that some of them is unlikely. Uh, Manny Arsenault is a free agent. Brandon Bartlett's a free agent. Uh, Thaddeus Coleman, Deshaun Davis, LeVar Edwards, uh, Alexander Gagne, Sam Hurl, Micah Johnson they lose. We just talked about him going to BC. Uh, Philip Blake, Darius Bladek both going to Toronto. Uh, Derek Moncrief off to the NFL, as I talked about, Denzel Radford, uh, Corey Watson, Marcus Thigpen, Jeremy Zver, 
And Naaman Roosevelt all look to be going away from Saskatchewan. Are we surprised the riders are moving on from Naaman Roosevelt? Yes, but no. Because I think they're looking for a spot for McInnes to get in. Uh, I think they have a couple of younger receivers that could get in for cheaper if they want to kind of rebuild that defense to help take them to the promised land of a great cup at home. One thing that does surprise me a little bit is that they haven't taken a bigger swing at some of these bigger fish. Maybe they have, but, I mean, I I thought, you know, Saskatchewan coming into today would be one of the busier teams, if not the busiest, and throwing money out the door just on the fact that you could sell them on the path of a Drake up at home in Saskatchewan. Okay, I didn't see I I didn't think about that argument because I to me I, this is exactly what I expected them to do, right? Like they're like the like I was just listing off the long list of guys they extended. They didn't have a lot of free agents go, so they didn't have a lot of holes they needed to fill. And my, if you remember, is, where did this leave Isaac Carter? Wasn't he anointed the future, and now all of a sudden you're bringing a guy? Well, Isaac Harker won you that big game with Scotch at first place. Well, Isaac Harker was never going to be the future of the Riders with Cody Fajardo in the new contract he got. So maybe it's an upgrade? Now you got a 1A, a 1B, a 1C? Yeah, and you're talking about them bringing in James Franklin, uh, who was with Edmonton, then Toronto last year, or the last two years. And now he comes to Saskatchewan. Like, that is the only move the Riders made today outside of signing their own guys. Uh, they did sign Otha Foster late last night uh, and, you know, add him to the defensive backfield. But you're looking at a Riders team that if if Cody Fajardo was healthy in the playoffs, if Stephen McAdoo called the good game plan within the uh, near the goal line in the playoffs, you're looking at a Riders team that was off to the Grey Cup probably, right? And so I, I don't see why they would need to make very many changes this offseason. Frankly, I think they did exactly what they needed to do. And, and I think they should be considered favorites to win the West next year. Or certainly up there with Winnipeg. Here's a question. If Fajardo doesn't get hurt... In the weeks leading up to that playoff game. They're in the finals. They win the West final, no? That's that's just what that's what I just said. Yes. Yeah. You know, you've showed me on the fact that the writer didn't really need to do much. It's just how much do you believe that last year's run was a fluke? Are you 100% sold that Fajardo can put up those same numbers? That That's an interesting conversation because... Especially with what's probably going to be a different group of receivers. A younger group of receivers. Yeah, but you still do have the big pieces in there in Kyron Moore and Shaq Evans. Those were the two big ones last year. I know Naaman Roosevelt was a big contributor as well. You know, maybe they bring in another guy at wide receiver here yet. We'll see what they... What they all do there. Uh, that they could still be in the running for DeVere Posey. We just don't know about it. Exactly. Um, 
And I'm pretty sure Ryder fans would take the viewer apology as an upgrade over naming Roosevelt. No offense. I think they're kind of comparable. But if you would have said, okay, we're going to lose Naaman Roosevelt, but we're going to gain the dialect to be opposing. I, I I don't know. I feel like the, maybe they would have still loved to have Naaman Roosevelt. I think they'd take either of them, certainly. Um, but you you bring up an interesting thing about can Cody Fajardo repeat his season from last year? Because who knows, right? And is that perhaps why they brought in James Franklin? Well, I think they brought in James Franklin because you need two solid quarterbacks in the CFL these days. And Franklin So you're not sold on Isaac Carter as the number two? Not necessarily. It's hard to be when I haven't seen enough of him to, right? Uh, I love the move of bringing in James Franklin into Saskatchewan because look who the offensive coordinator there is in Ryderville right now. It's Jason Moss, his former coach. With the Edmonton Eskimos, when did when did James Franklin look like the quarterback with the next greatest potential in the CFL? When he was with the Edmonton Eskimos with Jason Moss, so you know he gets he he's he's not going to start obviously. Cody Fajardo is the starter, but he goes back into his backup role, bit of pressure off of him, gets to learn a little more from Jason Moss. I love this move for James Franklin because he wasn't going to get a starting job somewhere, and I love the depth now that they have at quarterback in Saskatchewan. What do we need? What where does this last one need to be a little bit better? This coming season where they weren't last year. I think it's the offensive play calling, and I think Jason Moss is going to help with that. If it's the offensive play calling, or is it going to be the offense a little bit overperforming last year, and the defense needed to score a little bit more? Well, I don't know, because two years ago you had the defense score out of its mind, and that certainly was never sustainable. So I really think, just to wrap this up before we head to a quick break here, I really think it's the offensive play calling is the only thing for, for Saskatchewan. And Jason Moss, when he doesn't have the pressures of being a head coach and all of that with it, he can call an offensive game as good as anybody. So, yeah, I'm high on the riders right now. When I paid Saskatchewan... Calgary, BC, Edmonton? I could see it being something like that. You subscribe to that? Yeah, sure. Marginal improvement for BC, Winnipeg, and Saskatchewan continuing. Calgary tailing off a little bit. Yes, all of no. this changes, of course, with a major injury. Let's keep that in mind. Absolutely. Look, all of this. What talk- I'm holding in my hand. Has no value once it starts in June. That's a piece of paper. Teams on paper in the middle of February are a lot different than the teams on the field in November. Well said. And Just that yeah. how different the bomber season was about three different seasons on this ri- roller coaster. This entire podcast could mean nothing by tomorrow. And that's the beauty of it. And we'll take a break on that, and we'll come back 20 minutes or so. Uh, Well, sorry, we'll be back in about four or five minutes if you're listening live. If you're listening on the podcast, we'll be back before you can say tomato sandwich. (laughs) And then when we're back, we'll talk Ottawa Red Blacks. And if you're listening, I might have them do not fret. The entire Southwood Steelers Verdon Oil Capital team from from the Southwood Federation Club was coming up in 25 minutes. Bell Christensen standing by. In fact, I'm going to get him on the line 
for the bad half of the show so he can listen to us uh, prepare for this broadcast. Uh, he's preparing for his broadcast back in the booth uh, tonight. Third hour, Canadian Football Countdown up next, or a third quarter hour. We'll leave it at that. Coming up on Mike FM, this is the Canadian Football Countdown. To interact with us on social media, follow us on Twitter at, at CFC on Mike FM. Mike can be found at, at MikeGarrell, and Ryan can be found at, at CooperTrooper42 as well. Like us on Facebook at facebook.com slash CFC on MikeFM. Whatever platform you're listening on, we'd love it if you would take a moment to like, comment, subscribe, or follow, and share to help us grow the show. Thank you very much for your support. Now, back to the show. Tomato Sandwich, we're back. If you just tuned in live, you're very confused. If you're listening in the podcast, this is the start of hour number three, but we're only on for another 20 minutes or so here. We're going to talk Ottawa Red Blacks. I saved the best debate for last. The showstopper here because uh, I think we're going to have a lot to say on the Red Blacks here on CFL Free Agency Day. Yeah. That's an interesting thing. First off, Paul Apolise named head coach. First off, Bob Dice is back as O-line coach. And a bunch of bomber ties on that staff of Paul Apolise. They got their free agency shopping done early in the form of a number one quarterback. In that Arbuckle. But seemed to strike out on a lot of players today. Yeah, so looking at the Red Blacks roster here, they do extend a decent number of their own guys, which I think there are some big pieces here. Brad Sinopoli extended, R.J. Harris extended. Those are two big names they're bringing back for new starting quarterback Nick Arbuckle. I'm so excited to see those guys back in Ottawa. Uh, Sherrod Baltimore extended, uh, Louis-Philippe Barassa, a long snapper extended, Kevin Brown, a linebacker. Avery Ellis at defensive line, Randall Evans at defensive back. Uh, Anthony Gosselin, the fullback, extended. Justin Howell at defensive back. Kicker Richie Leone and Lewis Ward both brought back on one-year deals, uh, which is exciting because I, I was expecting Lewis Ward to go to the NFL, so I'm excited to see him another season in the CFL here. Nolan McMillan. On the offensive line extended, and so was Danny Mason. A defensive lineman, Michael Wayfield, and uh, linebacker Avery Williams. Guys they've let go, uh, Mike Benson at long snapper, Nicholas Boulay at linebacker, uh, Seth Cote at wide receiver, Anthony Chaffee, Nate Bahar, uh, Caleb Hawley, uh, Jonathan Jennings, Jeff Knox Jr., Moses Madu, Chris Randall, Dominic Rimes is a free agent, Jonathan Rose is a free agent, Jacob Scarfone, uh, J.R. Tavai, and Blaine Woodson and Cameron Walker. Those are guys that are all gone. Uh, and then uh, new guys that the Red Blacks have brought in. Let me just take a look here. We mentioned Nick Arbuckle. Uh, Abdul Kane, former Red Black, re-signs with Ottawa. Defensive lineman Cleon Lang comes over from Toronto. That's a huge addition there. Anthony Coombs at running back. Christoph Mwamba Shamanga at linebacker. Don Anumba at defensive back. 
and I believe that is it. So some key, some good additions here for the Red Blacks, but certainly not as much as we expected them to go out and do. They did get the quarterback. They did get some big pieces on defense uh, brought in. But to me, Ottawa's offense, like they didn't put points on the board last year. How much of that are they pinning on the quarterback? That's fair. You, you maybe pin a lot of it on the quarterback. And but I'm just not sure a quarterback change can justify four or five or six more wins, which is what they need. Yeah, and, and maybe they're banking on a combo of the quarterback and the offensive coach in Paul When Apple you start 2-0 oh, and only win one other game the whole year, you got a problem. But they didn't have an offensive coordinator. They did offensive coordinator by committee last season, and it clearly didn't work, and they didn't have a quarterback, and they didn't have, you know, they didn't have the guys there, frankly. Uh, I'm interested to see how this Paul Apple system plays with Nick Arbuckle at quarterback. I love the guys they have in R.J. Harris and Brad Sinopoli. I wish they would have brought Dominic Rimes back. Uh, maybe they still will, but he's currently a free agent. Like, they had seemingly some talented pieces there, uh, but I, I, I just don't know how this is all going to be put together here for Ottawa this year. Uh, running back position, what do you make of Anthony Coombs being brought in to potentially be the starting running back here for Ottawa? If you can't sign Bombers, then go sign Winnipeggers. Because <laughs> it seems to me like the Red, Red Blood struck out on a lot of guys that Paul Apolis had in Winnipeg. Uh, Darwin Adam being one of them. Uh, I think he would have... Can you imagine a receiving core with Brad Sinopoli, R.J. Harris, and Darwin Adams? Be pretty good. You right away have instant credibility. They're at least at... Uh, wide receiver, so it's just a very interesting situation. It, is this Paul Apolise's doing, bringing in Anthony Coombs to try to replicate Canadian running back, Andrew Harris? Yeah, but I also have to remember, Coombs is a dual situation, right? So you could throw him in at running back, you could throw him in at receiver. It's kinda it's kinda Paul Apolus's toy to kinda induce some trickery if that makes any sense. Now overall my my conniption with what with with what Ottawa's done here is maybe not entirely the moves they've made because these are good additions they've added, right? Mm-hmm. It's some of the moves they haven't, and I think I wasn't solo on what they've done until I saw Marcel Desjardins' comments on free agency today, uh, courtesy of Tim Baines from the Ottawa Sun. Uh, Red Blacks fans shouldn't expect any more big signings, especially at receiver. Said GM Marcel Desjardins, we're not spending at receiver. We have Brad Sinopoli, we have RJ Harris, we like the other pieces we have, and we like Anthony Coombs. Does this tell you that they maybe overpaid for Sinopoli? I think probably had to. I mean, you gotta do what you gotta do to keep your own diet. It just it sounds like they're cap crunched. Asked about signing some of the best CFL free agents still available, the GM said, We've used our money on Nolan McMillan, Alex Mateus, 
JP Bolduke, Nigel Romick, Brad Sinopoli, Brendan Golanders. That's where our money went. To me, that's the common. No knock on these so guys. So now are you saying Golanders is the number one guy there? Since you've included him in your core? I don't know. Because to me, if you're spending all of your free agency money on a team that struggled as greatly as they did last year on bringing back a couple of these guys that were not necessarily major players, some of them yes, some of them not necessarily as much, I, I, I'm a little appalled that they didn't go out and do more, especially because I feel like this is Marcel Desjardins' last chance this year. He... Like, we all agree he messed up last offseason when he let Trevor Harris, Greg Ellingson, Sir Vincent Rogers, all of those guys go uh, when he should have brought them back. And he did nothing to bring guys in to replace them. Uh, he seemingly didn't have much of a plan last offseason. And, and did thought he, he was... have much of a plan this year other than the quarterback and a couple other no, and, and I'm guys saying... and presumably the way the comments are pointed over pain? And, and I think he really should have. And now he's, you know, to finish off his comments here, we're kind of where we're going to be right now. There might be a few additions. There are not going to be any significant additions. Is the addition of Nick Arbuckle, Paul Apolis enough for the Red Blacks to do something this season? Realistically, and I don't want to be the bearer of bad news, Ottawa is one bad play away from realistically going back to what they had last year. And that's Dom Davis at quarterback. Maybe Lapolis can change things around and make Dom Davis a little more successful. But to me, this hinges a lot on Nick Arbuckle. This hinges a lot on Paul Lapolis as an offense. Let's be frank, the Red Black offense isn't the bomber offense of what Lapolis had to play with last year. Makes me wonder if they're taking a systematic approach to trying to work this out and seeing gradual improvement in one from there. To be fair, if you look at the bombers offense, Kenny Lawler was the leading receiver on the team with 600 something yards. And he was like the 24th best receiver in the league. Like, if you look at statistical talent, I mean, you have Andrew Harris, okay? That's that's the big thing. But if you look at the wide receivers in the passing game for the Bombers, like, it's not like the offense was extraordinary in that category. So now you're pinning it on your running back, and my question becomes, is Brennan DeLanders slash... Anthony Coombs slash John Crockett... Enough to play this pound-the-football game... I mean, they suggest that they spent a lot of money on their offensive line, so I'm assuming they're expecting them to perform. But I'm just wondering, does Ottawa have enough if the running game doesn't perform, if they lose a couple offensive linemen? And hope not, but their quarterback gets hurt. That's a lot of ifs that have to align. I do like the moves they made on defense, some of them. I love bringing in Cleon Lang. That's going to add a ton more pressure on the defensive line for them there. And bringing back Abdul Kane, a guy that was really good for them when when he was in Ottawa. But then, he, you know, he went to Hamilton, Toronto, and 
seem to kind of regress a little bit there. Why can't he go back to being an all-star? Uh, I believe he was an all-star defensive back for the Red Blacks. So I think maybe improved well on defense, and certainly they'll have improved on offense with the additions of Nick Arbuckle and with Lapolis's system in there. I just don't know if that's enough for the Red Blacks. Is it enough to get them in the playoffs on the road? Uh, Is it enough to remove the crossover possibility? I don't think so. Not this year. Eight and ten? Is I would, that stretching it? I, I, I would say something maybe in the six and twelve range is where I have the Red Blacks right now. Again, Calgary had a lot of talent. Our buckle could succeed. That same talent is not on Ottawa. Let's go rapid fire here to round things out here on the show. Uh, best signing on day one for you? Best signing the out day of anybody, out of any team. Boy, sorry, that's a tough one to put you on the spot right away. Best re-signing would be Willie Jefferson, hands down. That's fair, but that doesn't in, that doesn't encompass day one. I'm gonna go BC with Micah Johnson. I was actually going to go BC with uh, Riker, Riker Matthews on the offensive line. Um, who, who's your winners and losers of day one, uh, of free agency thus far? To me, the winners are the teams that were able to bring back their own guys and should be at the same level they were last year. I'm looking at Winnipeg, looking at Saskatchewan. I'm looking at Hamilton as three big winners for me. Uh, losers, I think it's obvious. I think it's the Ottawa Red Blacks, and I think it's the Edmonton Eskimos, based on what we've said. And we're neutral on Toronto. Yeah. Could pan out, could not. Would you agree with me on those picks, or? Yeah, I'm just trying to figure out. Like, I know we're sitting here on February 11th. I have a hard time pinning who's going to finish in what order in each division. Like, to me, there's more questions about each team than there are answers. So rapid fire for me, what, what what's a question for each team here that we can ponder over the next week, and then maybe we'll have answers when we come back and talk more? Do me a team. And just start rattling them off. Saskatchewan. Um, for me, there's... A lot of questions. Can the Riders stay healthy and can Pajardo perform up to last year's level? To me, if James Franklin has to play some snaps and just that's when this year, that's a bad thing. For me, for the, uh, if I'll pick, let's just go bounce back and forth quickly. Question for mm-hmm. each team. Toronto, I think the question is, are they going to be the BC Lions of this past year where seemingly great additions but they haven't, but who knows if they're going to jail. That's fair. Edmonton. Uh, for me, I'm going to take Edmonton, and it's a lot of the same questions. What did they do to get better? Did they improve their defense enough? Or is the rest of the division just that dread that no matter what they would have done today, mattered? Uh, I'll go here to Winnipeg. I'll say, big question for me, it seems like they've done everything right, but the quarterback positions huge question mark for me Zach Kolaros's injury health uh, his health history and uh what what's going to happen if he goes down I'm not sure about Sean McGuire as a backup Montreal 
uh, steady as she comes. I see improvement, but VA needs to continue that success and ascend it to an MOP-type candidate. Hamilton, I see poised to go back to the same strength they were last year. I think the big question mark for me is, is it Dane Evans or is it Jeremiah Mazzoli? Who takes the reins? They're going to be competing in camp, and I'm excited to see Spoiler, that. I think it's going to be Evans to start, and then Mazzoli about week six or week seven. If he gets in. Yeah. yeah. Uh, Toronto, for me, the question, just going back to that as well, I know we talked about them already, the help of Matt Nichols. How does he look in that system with Ryan Dinwiddie? Be- just, just another thing that came to my mind. Yeah. To me, a question for BC uh, would be, is Riker Matthews going to be enough to improve that offensive line? Because last offseason, they brought in uh, Suk Chung from the Winnipeg Blue Bombers. We thought that was going to be a huge addition to protect Mike Riley. It didn't pan, you know, Mike Riley was on the ground a lot. Is the offensive line going to be improved enough? And how will that impact things for BC is a big question for me. Uh what other teams have we not hit on here, Mike? Uh, I believe it's the Calgary Stampeders. What's your question mark for Calgary? Can they keep Bo healthy because we don't know about the quarterbacks behind him? And can that defense continue to progress for me? And then just to wrap things up, what do you expect to see over the next week? I from around the CFL? I expect to see party men shoppers look for pretty good deals. And some players that weren't worth as much money as they thought be in for a rude awakening about some pay cuts that need to happen to fit under team salary caps. And there might be some substantial cuts to make teams cap compliant. And yes, I'm looking at Winnipeg. Yeah, and that's the thing too. Teams don't have to be cap compliant right now. Toronto's signing all of these guys. Everybody's asking how the heck are they going to afford them all. There might be some cuts coming along the way to make room for some of this. These rosters will change uh, some more over the next several months. You know, you, you don't necessarily win a cup on day one of free agency. It's the moves you make before. It's the moves you make after. Obviously, you hope that the moves you make on day one of free agency lead you in the right direction for it, but there's still lots to be said for how things transpire over the rest of the offseason and as we get towards the CFL season. Mike, I think that does it for our CFL free agency show here. We should be back next week or in the next couple of uh, weeks. Next couple weeks also. Maybe yeah. not next week. Bear with us right now, folks. By the way, I, I know I said on the last episode that we were going to be at this all off season long. There's a lot of stuff that we're very busy people right now. Yeah, we, I have a atomic bomb literally going off at work right now for lack of better term. Uh, with playoff broadcast and you have a wedding, so... Uh, Bear with us, we will be back at some point. We will continue to try to update throughout the offseason here on the Canadian Football Countdown. A proud member of the Canadian Football Podcast Network. Check out cfpodnetwork.ca for all the other great shows. For Michael Garrell, I'm Ryan Koop saying thank you for listening. Bye.